Thank you, Father. Your name be lifted high. Holy Spirit, we invite you to be here with us. We pray that our worship is, is pleasing to you. Lord, that our hearts are, are decluttered and, and they're open to you. But we thank you for being with us, so close to us, intensely personal. We thank you, Jesus. Well, I pray that every time we come together like this, Lord, that the wind of the Spirit is blowing in this place. Lord, the fire of your presence is here among us in a tangible way. Lord, we don't sing songs just to sing songs, Lord, but it's praise and worship that overflows from our hearts, thanksgiving that is bound up within us because of your goodness and your faithfulness. We worship you. Oh, Jesus, so wonderful. So beautiful, so incredible. We thank you, Lord, simply for being who you are. The God of wonder is God of all. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Let's give him a hand clap of praise. We worship you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. For all of our being, Lord Jesus. We thank you. Amen. Well, hey, it's good to have you tonight. Go say hi to everybody in the place before you sit down, all right? And we'll be with you in just a minute for tithing offering.
Amen. It is good to have you. Uh, tithe and offering. If you have something to give, you can prepare that. I know. Feisty tonight. Feisty. Like everybody drank a, a Coke before they came in or something. Anyways, offering envelopes and chairs in front of you. If not, wave your hand around. One of the ushers will help you out, but it is good to have you. And uh, give you just a moment to get your, your giving together, if you have some tonight. And then I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask... Um, I'm going to ask, uh, I'm going to put somebody on the spot to pray over offering tonight. I haven't asked this person in a while, and they're already pointing at her. So, everybody, everybody's pointing at Christine. They were reading my heart. That means the spirit was all over that. So, uh, I'm going to ask Christine if she'll come down and just pray over the offering tonight. Uh, before we, we have you come forward and give it. Christine, how many love Christine? I love Christine. And she, uh, uh, if, if you did not know, you should know it. She has the heart of an intercessor, and she's one of our prayer uh, warriors in our church. She prays so hard for you and our church. And also, uh, she helps out in our kids' church. She does our fifth Wednesdays, and Christine... Uh, does crazy stuff like she makes them all a full body of armor and things like that. She just does all this creativity um, that I think is so wonderful. So, anyways, Christine. No, I'm just gonna keep talking then. Um, another reason I like Christine. I'm kidding. Anyways, um, go ahead, Christine. Pray over the offering, please. All right, so if you have something, you can bring it. And uh, while you're doing that, you can break your Bibles out and go to Proverbs chapter number 14. And I'm going to move down here. That's okay. Well, before, before I get into what I want to say, let me, just, let me just say this. Everybody look at me. Look at me right in the eyeballs. You're going to make it. Okay? You're going to make it. I don't know what's going on, but you're going to make Don't look at the floor. Look at me. You're going to make it. I can always tell. I don't know. Look. You're going to make it. Turn, turn to the person closest to you and say, you're going to make it. Tell them. You're going to make it. Amen. All right. You're watching on live stream. Yes, you should be here at church, but whatever. You're going to make it. Amen. All right. So we've been in the book of Proverbs for a little while. I think we'll close this out tonight. Um, I think next week we have a worship night, by the way, so uh, come out for that. But I'm uh, going to close out the book of Proverbs, and, and all of the Proverbs that we've been uh, seeing on and talking about have to do with uh, things about you. So we talked about uh, what, what are your motivations, why do you do what you do. We talked we talk last week, I think, about control. Are, are you full vent, or are you in wisdom and some sort of control of your life? as far as like the fruit of the spirit of self-control. Uh, Proverbs uh, has a subject that comes up frequently in the Proverbs, so we're going to kind of go off of that and talk about something that, that Proverbs brings up frequently enough that I'm going to highlight it tonight. Now, let me just say this. Uh, something that I think you guys know that I encourage you consistently is, is that I, I, I think it's a good idea to whatever you do for your scripture reading daily, Notice I said daily, uh, is to add a psalm a day to your daily reading. 
And I encourage you on January 1st to read Psalm chapter 1 and January 2nd read Psalm chapter 2. But what happens is when you do that, uh, you'll cycle through the Psalms twice in a year because there's 150 Psalms, so you can do them twice. And, but there's still 65 days left because that's 300 Psalms. So a good idea is then when you hit that uh, 301st day when the Psalms are over, then add to your daily scripture reading the first chapter of the book of Proverbs. And there are, what, 31 chapters in Proverbs, I'm guessing. And there's, that's not even the end of the year then. In other words, whatever your uh, daily scripture pattern is, adding a psalm later in the year, you can read all the psalms and all the Proverbs in addition to your regular scripture reading. It's a good habit to, to get the word in you. Amen? Anyways, just throw that out to you. And if you haven't started that yet, I think today was the hundred and uh, let's see, the 43rd Psalm, because I think today was day 193, so something like that. Anyway, so we're back into the Psalms second time right now, because we're actually more than half the year is over. Did you know that? We're headed towards Christmas really fast. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. Um, we are in July, and uh, the year is moving. Anyways, I'm going I'm to read actually, let me see, one, two, three, four, I'm going to read five Proverbs to you to show you the consistency of this subject that comes up. So the first one, so, so trek along with me for a minute. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse number 31. It says, whoever, and listen to these psalms and listen to the word, I'm sorry, these proverbs, and listen to the wording of these proverbs as we read them, because it's strong wording. Whoever oppresses a poor man insults, watch this, insults his maker or insults God. But he who is generous to the needy honors him or honors God. Those who oppress somebody who's down on their luck, they actually insult God. But if you're open to those that are in need, God is honored by that. Proverbs chapter 17 and verse number 5. Oh, watch this one. Whoever mocks the poor insults his maker. He who is glad at the calamity of others, you can insert that in there, will not go unpunished. When you insult people who are down in their luck, you insult God. If you add to their troubles, Proverbs, the wisdom says that those kind of people will not go unpunished. Proverbs chapter 19 and verse number 17. Oh, this is a good one. I like this. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord. And he, the Lord, will repay him for his deed. You look out for people who are down on their luck and having a hard time, it's like lending to God, and God will repay you and multiply your lending. Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 27. Whoever gives to the poor will not want, but he who hides his eyes will get many a curse. If you're aware of those in need, do something about it, but if you walk through life with blinders on and not caring, you bring many a curse on yourself. All right, one more obviously can see where this whole thing is going. Chapter 29 and verse number 7. A righteous man knows the rights of the poor. By the way, that's also saying the poor should have rights. Hmm. But a wicked man does not understand such knowledge. In other words... You just don't care. Because I got mine and it's all I was out for anyways. 
Okay, a theme in the book of Proverbs that comes up consistently is how we treat those that are in need, the poor. So let me say some things because I, I want you to, to catch, I think, the heart of God. The poor, those that are in need, those that are down on their luck, will always be with us. And Jesus said as much, didn't he? There will be people, and I, I really need to catch God's heart here. There will be people who either in seasons of their life or in life in general simply cannot pull themselves up by their bootstraps because they really don't have a boot to pull on. And I think what happens in American society, because we are the land of the free, so go make your luck, the American dream, pursue happiness, make your money, achieve, dream and achieve, right? And we have the freedom to do it. We kind of have this thing that those that are not doing it, well, just whatever. That's your problem. Right? And the reason they are poor is because of... Laziness, not wanting to try, because everybody who actually tries and cares will make it. And if you believe that line, you're believing in a false idea. Because not everybody in all seasons of their life have the ability to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. Now, are there people who are lazy and don't try? Yep. But do not broad paint the entire group that are in trouble and in need and poor as that, because that's false. So I've, I've shared this with you before. There was a season of my life where I was poverty level living when I was a child and we lived on food stamps. And I remember my mom being specifically embarrassed to go to the grocery store because she had to buy her groceries with food stamps. Um, and the reason that was the case is because my dad had a stroke and he could not work. And my mom couldn't go get a job because she had to stay at home and take care of my dad because he was completely paralyzed on the left side of his body and he was left-handed so he couldn't walk, he couldn't write, he couldn't, you know, pick up a spoon to eat. You're in a spot. There was no laziness involved, but there was a stretch of a season of time when we were super down on our luck. And because of a lack of money, our house had no heat other than a wood stove and a fireplace in the other end of the house, and we had no hot water. So we would boil water on the stove, go dump it in the bathtub, add the cold water, and take a bath. Now, that wasn't the entire existence of my childhood, but there was a section of my childhood that was like that. And I, I was a young kid at the time, and if you would have said, if you would have came up to me, and said, the reason you're like this is because your dad is poor, lazy, and he doesn't care, and he's no good, and if he would just pull himself up by the bootstrap, you wouldn't have to live like this. My little self would have tried to jump as high as I could to punch you right in the head. Because it wasn't true. But thank goodness we had family and a church that helped. So there were, there were two uh, deaf ladies, Ina and Ann were their names. Ann is still alive. Ina passed away a few years ago. That actually started during this time but kept doing it after things got better. Every year at school time, right before school, they would take me clothes shopping. Buy me a new backpack. They'd take me to the mall in the days when you would go to the mall before Amazon, right? And just say, what do you want? get me the shoes I wanted. You see what I'm saying? They, they weren't walking through life with blinders on their eyes. But aware of the need, not judging the need. I think sometimes we want to judge the need so we get out of having to do something.
aware of the need, not judging the need. And then they knew the situation, so the, it, the judgment would go away anyhow. And simply help. And what they could do is, is because neither of them were married and didn't have kids of their own, they treated us, me and my brother and sister, by the way, all three of us. And they wouldn't take us together. They would take us individually. And just get us stuff. Being aware. See, God honors those who look out for those who are down in their luck and for whatever reason can't pull themselves up by their bootstraps. God honors that. And when you insult people like that, ah, y'all are just lazy. If you would just work hard, you would be okay. You insult the maker. By the way, don't ever turn the poor and the needy into a political talking point. Don't ever do it. People are not politics. They're people made in the image of God. I'm all for good laws when it comes to this stuff, but I'm not for politicizing somebody's life. That's not Christian. Let me just say that as strong as I can say it. That people that go through life struggle for a variety of a hundred reasons, thousands of reasons, a million reasons. And the Christian faith calls us to pay attention. Because the Christian life, again, if you've been paying attention to anything I've been saying over the last three whatever years I've been at this church, the Christian life is never self-centered. Always pushes you outward. Always. Because the goodness of God should never just stay in you. And his goodness towards you, let me just say this. In the Bible, if you, if you really go through the Bible, really look at this, there are not a lot of social classes as far as how God talks to people. You're generally talked to as those who have and those who don't have. And I'm going to look around this room and say, for the most part, I think everybody here has. Even if you don't think you have a lot by some American standards. So those who have are not supposed to walk through life with blinders for those who don't have. And because you have, that means in some level of life, regardless of how, how you've come to it, the goodness of God is at the root of it. That isn't Spider-Man that says, with, with great power comes great responsibility? Something like that one of the superheroes, right? Is that true? Did I get my right superhero? I don't know. I'll get corrected by somebody watching my screen, probably. With the goodness of God comes responsibility. And the responsibility is not to build bigger barns so I can store all the stuff I get because of the goodness of God. There's a responsibility that comes in to the point that the Proverbs, the wisdom is saying, look, if you turn the blind eye to those in need, that doesn't sit well with the maker. As a matter of fact, don't even help the cause of oppressing those that are in need, which is a whole big theme in the Bible. Because as God, especially in the Old Testament, he's drawing out a people to, to worship justly and to be in, in right relationship justice with others. When the prophets come later to enforce this stuff, they're always getting after people for idolatry and injustice about how we treat other people. And a lot of times it centers on how they were mistreating the poor. Find it all through the Bible. You know why? Because it matters to God. Isn't that right? It matters to him. So when we're called to be this light of the world, Again, part of being the light of the world is that people see, we were talking about this Sunday a little bit with the fruit that comes forth from your life, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Do you understand that how you treat people is part of the good deeds of being a light to the world? And you cannot separate how you treat the poor from that because it's a big theme in the Bible. I mean, the good Samaritan 
didn't just find a guy on the road and say, hey, I'm going to pray for you. He actually took him, cared for his wounds, paid for a time in the inn, then came back and checked. The most important thing you can do for somebody is share the gospel. But don't think the only thing you're ever supposed to do is share the gospel. And that gets a lot of people upset. I think we have in these, I think in the church, we've seen the separation. These that only tell them about Jesus. And then over here, all we're trying to do is social justice stuff. And they critique each other. How about we do this? Share the gospel and help people. They go together. They're, not, they're actually not opposed to each other. So when you think about your salvation, how many know that you're, you are saved? But we believe that it eventually deals with your whole being, right? Right? So have, have, you ever, have you ever prayed for yourself or somebody else for, for a physical need? Have you ever done that? Why? Because you believe salvation can the whole being. Have you ever prayed for somebody or yourself for a financial need? Yep, because you believe God blesses the whole being. Part of the outworking of those things is actually tangibly, physically doing things. So, so James, actually, let's go to the book of James. James chapter 2. James chapter 2 and verse number 14. James is making a point about faith and deeds, faith and works, how, how they got to go together. And here's an example that he uses. James chapter 14, I'm sorry, James chapter 2 and verse number 14. He's making a point about faith without works is dead. And here's an example that he used to support his point. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but has no works? Can faith save him? So, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be, be warmed, and be filled, without giving them the things they need for the body, what good is that? That your actions of faith have got to bring forth some actions of how you live. Right? I know I told you this example before, but it goes with this. If you remember this, that I've said this before, bear with me. I was reading something one time, and, and they had some, some uh, I don't, there were seminary students or Bible college students or something, and they uh, were asking these gentlemen to give a presentation on the uh, parable of the Good Samaritan. And I don't know how they said it, but they set it up in such a way that in order to get to where they were giving the presentation, they had to go down this alley to get there. And what they did was they, they put a poor person in the alley. These guys are going to give a parable, a presentation on a parable of Good Samaritan. They set it up where they would walk past somebody sitting in the alley, all you know, you know, crowded down in, in just shabby clothes. You know, man, those guys stopped and said something to the person they passed as they're going to give a presentation on the parable of the Good Samaritan. I'm not even going to tell you, but you can guess. It wasn't a good percentage. What good is it to say, hey, I'll pray for you, while if you had the needs, the means to help what you're saying they need prayer for and then do nothing about it, what good is that? that? That God is asking of us to be aware of the humanity in which he has made, and there are going to be those that are in need. That when I make statements like, like hey, when we're giving our tithe and offering, our tithe and offering is teaching you how to be a giver when you're not in church. Now, I want, I want you to hear what I'm about to say. 
You can give 10% of all of your increase and still be greedy with the 90%. Hear what I just said. So what good is it? That we are aware of what is around us. Now, here's what I do know. Is you can't fix everything. But you do something. Right? Tim Keller, I don't know if you know much about him. He passed away not long ago. Great, great theologian. He, he wrote something. I just literally just saw this the other day. And, and I want to read you a part of it. I want to tell you something about this. <clears throat> sort of the end of something he's saying. He said, early on in the church, early church, caring for the poor and the weak became, ironically, a major reason for the cultural influence the church had, had come to have in the world. If the church does not identify with the marginalized, it will itself be marginalized. This is God's poetic justice. In other words, what he's saying is, listen, in the early church, Roman culture made fun of Christians, and this is, this is historical here, because they called it the religion of the women, the poor, and the enslaved. It wasn't something that was really catching on with the higher-ups of society. It was, it was actually mocked for it. That Christianity always had a grasp of identifying with the marginalized and the willingness to do something about it. So if you notice, throughout the epistles, and, and what's, they're always collecting funds for the poor and who's going to distribute it and where are these funds going. It was constantly on their mind. Care for the widow. Care for the orphan. Care, care, orphan. Care for those in need. Offering being taken up. Distributed by those that, that were elders or deacons in, in the churches. There's always care for it. Matthew chapter 25. And verse uh, 31. So Matthew 25, there are three parables or things that Jesus talks about. Parable of the ten virgins. In other words, Jesus is coming back. Be ready. Right? Have enough oil that when he comes back, you're still there. Then he tells the parable of the talents. Whatever the Lord has given you, do something with it. Don't go bury it. It's going to be given to somebody else. Y'all have been given something. Do something with it. So Jesus is coming back. Be ready. But while you're waiting, whatever you've been given, do something with it. But then what Jesus says at the very end of it is very striking. Verse 31, when the Son of Man, when Jesus comes in his glory, when Jesus returns, and all the angels with him, and he will sit on his glorious throne, all things are being uh, brought into to fulfillment. Before him will be gathered all the nations. Notice the nations here. This is, this is judging on a big level. And he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. And the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was... Watch this one. This is a hard one. I was a stranger, 
and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? When did uh, we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king, Jesus, will answer them, truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me, the least. They will say to those on the left, the goats, depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, you did not visit me. Then they were also answered the Lord, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Notice the word minister there. When you help, it's a ministry. Think about that. Then he will answer them, saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it, you had blinders on, you didn't care, you were just after what you could get yourself, and you didn't do it for the least of these. You did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. You see, there's a level of judgment. God cares so much for the least of these that there's judgment on how you treat them. Think about that. Jesus is coming. Be ready. Have the oil, enough oil for your lunch. Be ready. But while you're waiting, whatever he has given you, do something with it. But while you're doing something with what he's given you, don't forget to help those in need. That's the parable. Think about that. How do I live the Christian life? Here's another nutshell, another way to think about it. Be ready. Whatever you've been given, do something with it. And watch out for those in need and do something about it. Christian life. I think we try to be ready. We try to do something what we've been given, but sometimes we forget the third thing. Because we're focused on, I need to be ready. I need to do something with what I've been given. But that third one makes you look out. And we're not good at it. And like I said before, often we like to judge the situation to give ourselves an excuse of why we don't need to do something. You can't solve world hunger, but you may be able to buy somebody a meal. What does a meal matter? But it is a meal. You can't buy clothing for every kid in the school in need, but you can be like Ina and Ann and take one kid shopping with a hundred bucks. Nowadays, maybe two pieces of clothing, but you know what I'm saying. But it's still a pair of shoes and a shirt. That they didn't have. You see what I'm getting at? We've got to be aware of the conditions of the things we see around us. The blessings and the increase of the Lord are not for you alone. But what do you do with what God has given you? I... Again, you know, I'm pretty sure I've shared this at one point, but as you know, my parents took in foster kids for, for years, from the time I was 11 or 12 all the way through, probably about when we got married. I don't remember anymore. There was one little boy that came. He's this little guy. I don't remember his name. It, my parents took in between 30 and 40 children through that, through that time span. Some, some longer periods, some pretty quick stays, but whatever. Uh, and this little boy came, and... Uh, in one of the rooms, I think there was a single bed and a bunk bed, so there were three, three boys in that room, okay? And then the room down the hall would have been a room with girls in it. And this little guy came from nothing, you understand? He came from nothing, he didn't have anything, right? And my parents were receiving another child that needed care. And generally what they do is they bring all the kids in five or six, maybe seven of them that were staying at the time and say, hey, 
get this another child's coming, tell the name, whatever. And they said this, this boy was coming, and uh, somebody asked, well, where's he going to sleep? That little boy, listen, that, that came from nothing, said, he can have my bed. Think about that. Now, he's a little, little guy. He's, I mean, at that time, he was about that tall, right? He didn't have nothing but what he gained when he came to my parents' house, but still was willing in his little heart to give it to somebody else. If we could just catch that heart. What did he have? A bed. What, he had a bed, pretty much, maybe some, some toys and he had a bed, and he was willing to say, hey, but he can have my bed. He would say, that kid has nothing. He doesn't really have anything. But even sometimes we don't think we have much. We have something. Maybe you don't have finances to give. Maybe you really don't. But, boy, you can love people. Yes, you can pray for people. Listen, you can do something super valuable. Listen to somebody. Be there. Take time. Well, maybe you do have some money or things. But when you are aware Here's the first thing that's going to happen to you. You're going to get overwhelmed. Because the needs there are so great. Because even in the, if we are the wealthiest nation in the world, we're in the top five, obviously. The poverty, the hunger, the need in our nation is incredible. And I guarantee you probably walk out your front door and go down the road a little bit and find it pretty easy. Right? So you, you'll be overwhelmed. And take a deep breath and say, okay, Jesus, but what can I do? I can't fix all of it. That's being overwhelmed. It's just a drop in a bucket. It doesn't make a difference. In the eyes of God, yes. It makes a difference. Because it may be a step of hope for that person that needs hope in their journey to come out of the spot they're in. So for my family situation, every person, nobody fixed our situation entirely. They could not. Not possible. But every little step was a step of hope to recovery. And we got there. But there may be some people out there they're not going to recover. It's, whatever the situation is, it's just not going to be possible. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with them. They're made in the image of God. And God sees them. And God loves them. And maybe to piece together enough hope in their life to keep going because people are paying attention. You just never know. So, be ready for Jesus to come. Whatever talents, whatever things he's put in your life, do something with it. That's another yell I have. Do something with what God's given you. And while you're doing all this stuff, eyes open to opportunities of life when you come in contact with people that are down on their life. And life simply at the moment or the season or for a long time has not been working out. Amen? Because when you do that, here's what's happening. You're beginning to see as God sees. That's why I mean you'll get overwhelmed. Because when you really start to see, listen, when you start to see the way God sees, 
and you see a lost world that needs to know him and salvation, it'll overwhelm you. It will. See the depth of the need of people that, that are headed for an eternity without God. It'll overwhelm you. And if that's not enough, then you take another step and then see them in their physical needs of life, and that will overwhelm you. Right? Then you go, okay, I'm, see, I'm, I'm, I'm really catching how you see things, God. My goodness. But by the way, it'll change your attitude. It'll change your perspective. I'm telling you. I, I, was, I, was, very, I was very immature as, as, a, as a kid when my parents started taking kids in. I didn't like it. I didn't like all of a sudden these people sleeping in my bedroom with me. I'll be honest with you. I was just not mature. But at some point in my life, I went, light bulb, oh, wow, ooh, this is what the kingdom of God is like. Oh, wow. Ooh. And I grew up. When that light bulb hit, I grew up. Grew up in my heart. You know what I mean? And you start to see things differently. So so I shared with you before, and, and not to say too much about the situation, there was a time at our dinner table May remember, at our dinner table, there, there was this, if I remember, age of 16-year-old boy that was mentally handicapped. Then you had a brother and a sister who came out of a family that dealt drugs. It took them out of the situation to save them. But the sister, the mom was prostituting her body to she was 16 to support her drinking habit. Then there were three little girls. One of them, the middle one was deaf. And when they showed up to my mom and dad's house, everything they brought was in a trash bag. They just threw it away. Abandoned by their parents. So you have physically handicapped, prostitute, the disregarded, you know what, at the table, you know what that is? That's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. Because those are the ones that are invited to the table. Not to be looked down on by those who have, as some. Good, low life. You're just a burden on our tax system. You're just, and just, yeah, don't politicize these people. See them as the kingdom and the ministry of the kingdom. Amen? See what I'm getting at? And you'll start to see with God eyes, and you'll go, it'll, it'll, cha- it'll change your heart, change your attitude. It'll change what you do. So the game isn't whoever dies with the most toys wins. Ever hear that? It's not the game. That is the game that will bring death to your soul. Bring death to your soul. There's no game, actually. It's actually, as I'm living life and I, I am living as productive citizen as an American citizen, but also higher than that, I'm living as a productive citizen of the kingdom of God. I will pay attention to those around me that need some help. Amen? All right, so, book of Proverbs, a lot of wisdom, it keeps bringing it up, so I want you to catch that in your hearts. And let's just be people who move by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit. Let's not only share the gospel, but be an answer to the prayers. Amen? All right, Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you have, have blessed us. I think, I think, Lord, much more than we understand. I pray that you kind of open our eyes a little bit, eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit is doing, but also what is going on around us. Lord, let you help us be your representatives on this earth 
in every facet that you have called us to do so. Lord, that we are never selfish and greedy people, never, ever. But our heart is a heart of thanksgiving unto you and to giving to others. So, Lord, we can just touch somebody's heart, give them another moment of hope. I pray that we do so. Because as you said, as you taught, when you see somebody hungry and we help, we are doing it unto you as much as we're doing it for that person. Lord, help us, help us, help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Well, Sunday, we're going to continue in the vine and, and the branches and the fruit and that whole business. So bring somebody out with you Sunday. It's good to see you tonight. Be blessed as you go.